welcome to the Hadassah Collective podcast. I'm your host, Claire Marinan. The Hadassah Collective is a unique wellness-centered community created in and inspired by India, the birthplace of holistic health disciplines. The Hadassah Collective podcast brings together a carefully curated selection of my most trusted and inspiring innovators from every area of the health and wellness space. I invite my guests to freely share their gifts, their wisdom, their journeys, and their diverse points of view, discussing a vast range of topics, including shutdown and self-isolation strategies, integrated diet and fitness, yogic science, modern mental health, and holistic lifestyle, all to inspire you with relatable tools to help you consciously customize, support, and expand your life. In today's episode, I'm joined by Shana Levy-Bal. Shana is an actress, a producer, a filmmaker, and also a wife and mother. At 19 years of age, Shana was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, which is an autoimmune disease. At the time, she was advised that this was an incurable disease and she would have to live with the symptoms of this illness for her entire life and just learn to manage them through medication. Through Shana's late teens and early 20s, she was prescribed many different medications to help with the symptoms of ulcerative colitis, but none of them really gave her the relief that she was looking for. So she tried other different holistic health therapies to try and ease these symptoms until she really began to study the effects of her diet on her disease. In this episode, we discuss how Shana has been able to wean herself off completely all of the allopathic medication she was previously prescribed just by using healthy diet and lifestyle changes. And also we discuss how it is not a one-size-fits-all for anyone's diet. We are all different and we're all built differently, but there are definitely some great tips in here that you can take away um, to be able to support your health better throughout your diet and lifestyle. I'd like to welcome to the podcast today my beautiful friend Shana Levy-Bal. She is an actress, she is a movie producer, she is an award-winning documentary filmmaker and she has recently become a new mother and she also has been navigating through her life um, healing and managing autoimmune disease through diet and lifestyle and so that's one of the main things we're going to talk about today is how you navigated that journey and you navigated that path so welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. You're most welcome. So why don't we start at the beginning and um, what did your early years look like? Where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? What's your cultural background? So my my mom is uh, Indian from Kenya, Gujarati. Mm-hmm. My father is Swiss Jew, and I was born in Kenya, grew up in Switzerland, um, which now I look back and realize was idyllic and very sheltered. Yeah. Um, and we moved to England when I was around thirteen, and I'd always been in the American school system in Switzerland, and then was catapulted into a completely different environment and uh, I think the British school system was was a bit of a shock for me and I think moving at 13 was traumatic in itself and developed all sorts of wonderful body image issues and you know weird form of body dysmorphia and bullying and all that kind of happened at that age. Um, and then I finally, for my A-levels, went to a school in London called Westminster, which was much more international, and I felt like I finally settled into... Found home. Found home. Yeah. And um, Westminster was great, 
and then after that I went to university in New York, went to Columbia, and uh, had a fabulous four years there, but it was slightly marred by getting diagnosed with ulcerative colitis okay. at 19. So, so that was kind of the early days. Wow, and how did you make your way to India? Oh boy. Um, <laughs> completely by chance. Uh, Mom and I used to actually come to Bombay every December, like okay. all NRIs. And um, I, I always loved it. I loved the, the warmth. And I think growing up in Switzerland, you... It's such you, a huge contrast. Such a huge so contrast. And it is. It's yeah. like, the, you know, constant people and going yeah. from lunches and teas. And, you know, so yeah. I used to love coming with my mom. And um, so I knew people and I knew the city relatively well. Yeah. Um, but then after university, I was, I'd studied theater in New York and London. And I got myself an agent in London and I was doing auditions and doing off-off West End productions. And one day my agent called and said, would you be interested in auditioning for a Bollywood film? Oh, cool. And I said, uh, <laughs> should I watch one first? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't really speak the language, so yeah, why would I audition? Not, yeah. And they were like, no, it's set in London and they want like a okay. British Asian person and it's the second lead. And so I was like, okay, what's the, oh. I'll audition. Like, yeah. So I auditioned for it and the audition was in English and then they called me back for a Hindi audition with the director like three months later and the next thing I knew is I'd gotten the part and we were shooting in London and the choreographer couldn't get a British visa so we all got shipped to Bombay to do all the songs oh wow and literally that's how I that's ended up how here it happened okay yeah. amazing and then you're just like oh wow I and then I got like a hair commercial and then yeah. I got like a little modeling and then I just... This is how all of us stay here. And it's then I was like, wait, I'm getting more work here than yeah. I am in London. Yeah. And, you know, I was, what, I can't even remember, 23 or something. And yeah. I thought, let me see how the film goes and if it goes yeah. well, maybe I'll stay. And then that's a whole other story in another <laughs> podcast. Um, and the next thing I knew, I, you know, I was here yeah. and I was about to leave because I realized very soon that Bollywood wasn't necessarily yeah. for me um, yeah. back then. I think it's changed a yeah, lot. it's really shifted. And um, I was about to, I was moving back to London. I found myself a new home. It was getting renovated, and that's when I met my husband. So Perfect timing. Bombay didn't let me go. Yeah, it, it does that, though. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the same with I know, me, right? right? You're like, I'm, I'm exactly the same. Yeah. You kind of... Just keep working, keep working, and then at one moment you go, oh, hang on a second, I actually live here now. Like, I know, when I, exactly, yeah. when I suddenly think, wait, how long have I been yeah. here? It's so yeah. scary because I've never really thought I moved. It just kind of organically happened Happen. that I spent more and more yeah. time here. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy how that happens. And the city doesn't let you go until it's ready, I think. And so at 19, everything severely shifted in your um, health and yeah. so how did you find out about this what were the early signs that you you thought something was not right and how did you get diagnosed um so disclaimer if anyone doesn't like talking about shit then definitely switch <laughs> off definitely switch off the podcast um yeah. so I was you know first year of university you know you're used to the freshman 15 you're kind of yeah. eating different you're not at home anymore so when I started getting like a little constipated, didn't really think anything of it. Um, and then I started seeing blood in my stool. Okay. And obviously that raises some yeah. 
yeah, flag. Uh, I told my mom, and she was like, well, it's probably just, like, hemorrhoids or piles because you're constipated, like, mm. you know, take something for it, go to an acupuncturist, something, you know. So that kind of continued for a few months. And then the summer after freshman year, I was on holiday in Cyprus with my mom and some friends, and mom and I were sharing a room, and she saw the amount of blood. Wow. And... She was like, okay, that's not yeah. normal. So when we went back home to London, I went to the doctor and got diagnosed. They did a bunch of, they did my you know, colonoscopy and, and um, I got diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. And I mean, I, at that age, I didn't know. I, mean, yeah, I, I had no idea. so scary at that age. I had well. no idea what it was, what mm-hmm. it meant. Um, all they told me was, that it was an autoimmune disease, there was no cure for it, and I would just have to be on medication my whole life and uh, manage the symptoms. And the aim of the game was to make sure that my active um, period was short and the remission time was much longer. So it sounded quite bleak at 19 to be told that you're going to live with this forever. You're going to live this, with this mm. forever. And I think also at that age, you don't question, you know, the doctors. Yeah. You don't question it. Yeah. And I was in so much pain that that was really all that was consuming me at the yeah. time. And What um, were their suggestions to manage it and to treat it at that time? At that time, they put me on to anti-inflammatory medication, mm. Asacol, and uh, suppositories. So... I was taking oral medication and I was taking suppositories um, for the inflammation. So basically, ulcerative colitis is the um, the inflammation and ulceration of the small intestine. Mm-hmm. So the symptoms are uh, rectal bleeding, mucus, uh, not being able to control your bowel movements, mm-hmm. cramps, weight loss, and joint pains. Wow. So... Um, it was hard as a university student student because I yeah. would be scared to leave my dorm in yeah. the mornings because I was had my worst attacks in the mornings. So I had to like reshuffle college scheduling to make sure my mornings were pretty free because I was scared. Um, I shot myself multiple times all over New York City um, <laughs> in lifts and cabs at so. Dwayne Reed. Wow. Nearly in the classroom, barely making it to a bathroom, in bathrooms, yeah. first dates with guys, yeah. um, theater workshops. So it just became... Yeah, how did that affect you emotionally and socially, obviously? It made you. It probably made you more fearful. It was definitely... I think theater became something that I had loved and then now suddenly that I feared. Mm. So the thing that I lived for in terms of my passion became something I was scared to do because the idea of being on stage live Mm. and having an attack and shitting myself in public in front of people or running off and then making sure the whole play goes to, you know, has to stop for me, um, became something that I didn't want to face. Mm. Um, I couldn't drink and because 
if you think of an open wound, your intestine's like an open wound and you pour oh alcohol on an open yeah. wound, it's obviously so not good for you. So that was one of the things the doctor told me I had to stop doing. I was never a drinker anyway, mm -hmm. but at 19, I guess what you're doing is you're experimenting and figuring everything, and out. Figuring everything mm -hmm. out and everyone is in college out going drinking, drinking and, and yeah. partying. And so that was one thing that I wasn't able to do. And mm -hmm. I friends at school couldn't really understand why I was being such a bore, why I wasn't drinking. Um, and then, um, I guess it became difficult because I was always in, I was in pain. So yeah. I, you I don't want to be around people then you just want to be home and you want to be with yourself. And, yeah. And yeah. I think when you're just in a new environment as well, away from family and yeah. I just became, don't understand, don't understand. and I think yeah. I also didn't understand what was going on yeah. and, um, managing the pain and managing it all while trying to manage being just, a yeah, college student really and having fun and like learning and yeah. exploring a new city um, mm. I think it was just very overwhelming yeah it's really tough and so at that point the only sort of prescription was really the anti-inflammatories and suppositories and you where did you go from there starting explore, starting to explore like did this work at all for you or so um, it I didn't get any taking a lot of pain medication as well at that yeah, time. Yeah, so mm. there was I think the pain meds, the anti-inflammatories and the suppositories and it didn't get that much better. I yeah. felt actually it was just getting worse. Mm. And then um, you know, as they say, you know, oh, don't stress. So my mom would be like, you know, start yoga, start meditation. Okay. So I that's when I kind of yeah. got into yoga. Um, which probably definitely helped me mentally. Um, yeah. And I got into finding ways of managing the pain that were that could balance out the medicine. So mm -hmm. I got into acupuncture at that point. Um, so yoga, acupuncture, and I slowly started figuring out what it was that I should and should not eat. The doctors at that point were very, you know, the Swiss doctor was like, eat anything it has mm. nothing really to do with it wow. and then the American doctors had suggested I become uh, dairy free and gluten free mm. so I started that journey then um, I was still eating uh, gluten I mean sorry I was still eating grains just yeah. not gluten yeah. and um, I stopped dairy um, and I guess that started helping a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but I also, having had the odd, not uh, the weight issue and the slight eating disorder type of thing. Previously. Previously. Yeah. I was going to say, how it, did this play into to bringing that all up again? It brought know? that up in a huge way for me. So I almost latched on to the gluten-free, dairy-free thing mm. aggressively yeah. because that for me was a way of control yeah. um, and I think from the body dysmorphia I finally had an it was like I had an excuse yeah. to be controlling of my diet and not eat certain things and it gave me like this free pass yeah. to do these things and I I look back now and I'm probably where I am today because because I took such an obsession about it and 
latched onto it so tightly, but mm-hmm. I look back and I also think it probably wasn't the healthiest thing mentally for me yeah. um, to be able to obsess over this so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, suddenly it was like a medical reason and I had a free pass of it. Yeah, yeah. And so I know that recently you have, you know, you have really found your way yourself, actually. You've really researched so many different types of treatments, so many different kinds of diets, and you've really sort of done by trial and error what works for you and what works for your body so at what point did you sort of come in because honestly Shana is arguably arguably the best the queen of um, vegan paleo cakes and desserts of any kind but um, and so how did what did that journey look like how did you start figuring that out and for somebody else that's listening that's thinking I just don't know where to start because there's such a sea of information. You have so many so-called experts. It's you know. so overwhelming. It's it really is, is. It really is overwhelming, and it took me... I mean, this is not a quick fix. There's nothing easy about it. Yeah. I also... I also feel like I need to be very clear. Like, this was my personal journey, and yeah. one of the things that I believe very strongly in terms of health and wellness and nutrition is that it is very personal what works for me may work for you and it may not work for you um and I I beseech everyone to really find that path and and almost combine various ideologies to fix find out what works for you so so to answer your question I so it started off with the doctor saying the gluten-free and the dairy-free. And then when the attacks kept reoccurring regularly, mm. I, I think you get to a point where... I got to a point where I realized that maybe this is what my life is going to be like. And mm. I got really... I just kind of gave up in a way. Yeah. Um, and... Then I was diagnosed, then um, I was hospitalized with it and um, two summers after I got diagnosed and they put me onto steroids and that for me was horrific because it brought up the fear of the weight gain and the weight issues and it was feeling like I had Red Bull being injected into my veins. Wow. Um, I'm not a runner. I would literally just run on the treadmill to try and expend energy. It, I wasn't sleeping at night. It was, it was horrific. So I think somewhere there was a shift, and I was like, I don't, I can't, I can't live, I can't like, live this. like this anymore. Mm-hmm. And something's not working. And I think, obviously, as I got older, you understand, you just have a better grasp of things. Um, And that's when I started reading more and researching more. And it all started with um, a book called Eat Right for Your Type, which is a blood type diet. And I thought, let me try that. Mm. So I tried that for a while. And then I did a bunch of like food allergy testings and I went to kinesiologists and muscle testing doctor. And I mean, I try, I was at that stage in life where my mom would find a doctor, be it like a healer, a voodoo, a acupuncturist, a reflexologist, <laughs> a, any, and you name it, I have tried I it. Like your mom for this. She's amazing. anything under the sun. Yeah. So I guess there was so 
then after a while you figure out what's working and what's not. So yeah. then I collected this tribe of healers, practitioners yeah. that I felt were really helping me on my journey of healing. And I combined it wasn't just one person or one thing. Yeah. So I would have my like energy healer Yvonne Farrell at the time I had my healer osteopath Frederick Roskop in London um, I had my yoga I then had um, an amazing acupuncturist and this team I had my facialist was also was like a cranial sacral therapist uh, Anastasia uh, Achilles and I through them and then through all the reading I found my way yeah. um so and I also realized that you get these disease disease is yeah. a disease in your body. Yeah. So it was about figuring out the source mm -hmm. and not just the medicine was uh, dealing with the symptoms the and yeah. the pain and it was a band-aid, mm -hmm. but what was the root? Yeah. What was the root cause? So I did past life regression therapy. I did um you know, figuring out why was it when I left home and went to New York and mm. what was, was there some sort of trauma involved there? Yeah. Going back to, you know, being born jaundice and not having any breast milk and could mm. that have ca like caused a disruption in my autoimmune system and not given me the right microbiomes to yeah. fight, you know, for my immunity? Yeah. Um, to go back into, you know, personal heartache, the, the, the body issues, the, the bullying, yeah. the, all of that. Yeah. And, um, and I think it was only when I started really getting to those root causes yeah. did things start healing really those healing underlying those underlying, things, yeah. things start shifting. And then as layer number two, the diet started coming in. Yeah. So... I did the eat right for your blood type and then uh, with the muscle testing I kind of realized there were some big similarities that were showing yeah. up for me. Um, so then what I did was combine the two and figured out what worked customized within that and customized mm -hmm. it. And then I read um, and then later on I read um, Dr. Junger's books mm -hmm. and I did the 21 day Dr. Junger cleanse. Yes. And that brought another dimension mm. to what I had already been doing. And I took the parts that I felt really were working yeah. after those 21 days. And I think that really reset my system. Uh, and then I read Plant Paradox, yeah. which was yeah, another incredible mm. book, which again brought another level of, you know, the, the lectins and all those things that you don't really think about. You think all vegetables are just healthy and then you realize, yeah. wait, there's... Not for everybody. Not for everybody. Yeah. So nightshade vegetables I don't eat. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, then in 2015, I had a really, really bad attack. Mm -hmm. And it threw me for a loop because I was like, I'm doing, I was doing so yeah. well and I'm eating so well and I'm... It, uh, you know what, what am I do? do? What can I? What else yeah. can I do? What more can I do? Mm. Um, and that's when I took the kind of more drastic leap and became. And I read the autoimmune solution by uh, Dr. Amy Myers. Mm -hmm. And before I was just dealing with normal kind of diets and gut and 
things that were just supposed to be healthy for you or for me personally. But then I really focused on the autoimmune part of it. And that's when I became grain-free, legume-free, nightshade, vegetable-free, dairy-free, and and obviously gluten-free. And and don't get me wrong, before that I had done three months of being vegan. I tried that because obviously you think that would have worked really well for me, but it only caused that much more gas, and trust me, I don't need any more gas. Um, didn't give you what you needed. And I went to the doctor, and I had my, every, every three years I had to have a colonoscopy, and I woke up from my colonoscopy, and I was connected to an IV drip, and I'm like, what's going on? And he was like, your iron levels are so deficient, mm. You, what have you been doing? And so I said, well, I'm a, I've become vegan. He's like, well, please don't. <laughs> um, I suggest you literally go right now and eat a big steak. And I was like, what do you mean? Yeah. But the cows, <laughs> and it's hard to digest. <laughs> and he was like, no, you, yeah. your body does not absorb iron from vegetables. It's proving that to you. Yeah, you're anemic. It's you need red meat. So, and you're probably already you've your body has already done so much damage to itself. Exactly. That you kind of have to have something inserted yeah. into it. And so that's why I think that it's such a huge thing to be conscious about what you're eating and don't blindly go and just say, oh, well, that worked for somebody else and that sounds great Absolutely. and I need to do it. You have to be really conscious and say, does this feel good in my body? Is this working for me? And exactly. go with that. Be very intuitive about exactly. and how you're healing yourself, how you're growing. And not everyone, not everyone has that intuitive you mm-hmm. know, nature about that. Yeah. And so it is, it's difficult. And, um, you know, I think it is a lot of trial and error. It's a lot of, eliminating, reintroducing, um, and then obviously, you know, making sure that you're, you're testing your blood and making sure that you're not becoming deficient in things. Your hor- For women, hormones, yeah, um, you know, I think one of the things that I get really scared about with some of these diets that float around is they don't talk about women's health when it mm-hmm. comes to that, you know, like keto, intermittent, uh, intermittent fasting. fasting. Yeah. You have to be so careful as a woman. Um, yeah that it doesn't also disrupt your hormones and your, your thyroid levels and your and there, estrogen. There's so many things in that, especially to do with like hormones and things like that, because at one point soy was so healthy, and then on the other side people are like, oh no, it's terrible, it's so unhealthy, but actually at certain times within your cycle, it's good to raise your insulin levels, uh, estrogen, estrogen levels, yeah. you know, and so but you have to, you know, be really careful at looking at those sorts of things and just throwing out things or, you know, taking on board, oh, this is really healthy. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, we live now in a day and age where the f- produce that we get... Yeah, um, is such poor quality. It's such mm. poor quality. We're not getting the minerals and the vitamins from our vet fruits and vegetables like yeah. we used to. We don't get the best quality products that mm-hmm. really feed and heal our, our bodies. So yeah. we have to be that much more careful. And I think it's each of our responsibilities as well. Whether, you're, whether you do suffer from something, you obviously had a time where you're like, something has to change in my life and I need to fix this. But I think it's all of our responsibilities to sort of figure out like what is the best way for me to live? What is the best way for me to eat? And, you know, take it. We have access to so much information yeah. that, it, you know, we don't have any excuse anymore to be like, oh, well, my doctor told me so. You know, yes, I don't say that, like, ignore 
what the doctor says, but that's just one piece of information that you add to everything that you're getting. Absolutely. And I mean, if I had listened to my Swiss doctor, yeah. I would be still on medicine. I would so miserable. be but, eating you know. gluten and dairy and, um, and not questioning anything. Yeah. Um, so uh, don't get me wrong. There is a time and place for medication and 100%, yeah. we need it. Um, I, I weaned myself off all my medication with my diet, but when I have a really bad flare up, I take it. I have to. Um, yes. Do I take it maybe a little later than I should? Probably. If I took a slow dose of medicine every day, maybe would I not have as many flare ups? Possibly. But I also know that the medication causes osteoporosis. It causes all sorts of other health issues. So I now take it when I really, really need it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the interesting thing about, like, for me living in India, like, I've always been really interested in Ayurveda and things like that. And it's like the Western side of medicine, we've used it in a way as a lifestyle, you know, where it was only ever created to be, you know, a quick fix or a, you know, life-threatening thing and and that thing, whereas we've created a lifestyle out of these prescription drugs. And something like Ayurveda is a lifestyle that is, like, continually balancing. And, um, you know, now we kind of go, oh, my God, the drugs that I've made my lifestyle are not working for me. I better switch to Ayurveda, where it's really gotten that the wrong way around. The wrong way, absolutely. And so... It's been now, what, 15 years mm. of learning and reading and trials and errors. And I'm a foodie. I'm someone that can't, I can't do steamed veggies <laughs> and a grilled piece of fish. Like, I just rather... I've never eaten that. <laughs> I know. I just... It's not me. Can't do it. I love tasty food. I, I don't pick at my food. I, I'm a hearty eater. So it was a challenge mm. I, for me to then... And then that's when, once I figured out what I was eating and what was helping me, I then went on to this fun exploration of cooking and finding things that were delicious and didn't make me miss the, the rice and the, you know, the, the gluten and the grains and the pizza, pasta, ice cream, cakes and all those yummy things. You know, I have a sweet tooth. I, I love my food. So what was I going to do? I basically had to figure it out myself. And that's been kind of the latest journey has been the, the fun part because I get to eat it all. Um, <laughs> has been the, the baking and the cooking and the, the paleo, um, basically the AIP paleo um, exploration. So that led me into the kitchen, which was a blessing because I wouldn't have discovered what I you know what I've been able to do and I'm excited to you know feed my child now in a healthier way with more knowledge let's touch on that how how has that now shifted since um your baby has been born and um you know how is managing your diet and and things like that shifted in that way um so I again how is pregnancy and you know dealing with your autoimmune and stuff so food that I think you know, food as a healer and food that nourishes mm. really came into play in a big, big way when I got pregnant, during my fertility and yeah. pregnancy and post. Yeah. Um, I suffered a miscarriage and you don't realize that when you suffer a miscarriage, you need to even, you need to treat your body afterwards as if you've given birth. 
So you need to replenish yeah. your yourself as much as you do post birth because oh. ultimately you, you're the loss of blood. The birth. you know yeah. you have given birth in a, in a way. Yeah. Um, so I think that was that was a very interesting because you're you don't have the joy of the child, but you have all the kind of you have the negative parts without the joy of the yeah. child. Um, so it doesn't become as much of a fun journey of nourishment. Yeah, of uh, but the how did you navigate out of that? Did you use any um, like he wellness modalities to to navigate through that? Whether the emotional side of things and spiritual side of things, and I, also the bodily side of things. I did. I did. Um, I mean, at any given point, I always have a a, a host of people that I can yeah. call for help, um, and I had a wonderful life coach and spiritual advisor, Sabrina, who I do Skype sessions with occasionally, um, Lucas Putz, who does um, clearings and energetic clearings yeah. as well, and um, Yvonne, again, who's been in my life since I was 18. So I think a combination of people that I, again, wanted to get to the source of why. Yeah. Um, I feel like everything does happen for a reason. So, yeah. you know, why did I suffer this miscarriage? What was, what were the lessons involved? Yeah. I, I felt like for a long time I kept telling my husband I wasn't ready to get pregnant. Mm. And it had been a bit of a bone of contention between us because he was ready and I wasn't. So I think that the miscarriage in a way was the universe saying, oh, you think you're not ready or you think you don't want it, but yeah, actually just, you really yeah, do. You really want it. Um, and so it was, it was a one way of kind of awakening that side of me and my body. Mm -hmm. And I think it was a huge lesson. Um, and it, it, it ensured that when I got pregnant the second time, I took things much more seriously, and yeah. I took care of myself that much more. So, um, the nourishment part of it became important, and I, I was worried that my limited AIP diet wouldn't be sufficient enough. You know, yeah. you need extra calcium, and you need extra, um, you know, iron, and all these things. So, I started, uh, you know, with the help of my gynecologist, my my doctors, and I figured out what I needed to increase. My homeopathic doctor was amazing. And um, the year before I got pregnant and after the miscarriage, that year I really cleansed out my body. Yeah. And that's when I think I became, it took things a, a step further and it became more lifestyle as well. So yeah. all, my, all the cleaning materials in my house, I changed yeah. to eco-friendly. Um, natural. I I realized that the skin is the largest organ, so what was getting absorbed through the skin yeah. also needed to change. And I went a bit jihadi on even. I didn't take a Panadol for a year. Yeah. I didn't like. I took like no chemicals entered my body, um, and I cleansed that out and. I, you know, I I can't tell you if that helped or not, but I can tell you that now. Touch what I have a. Beautiful, a baby, so <laughs> hopefully it, yeah. it did. Um, and also knowing what foods to eat to help with, you know, to help with fertility. Yeah. So the yams and the, you know, the 
the high estrogen food, like, you know, all these different things and the nourishment aspect came into play. And then obviously your first trimester, you're just trying not to like throw everything up again. So (laughs) nourishment kind of goes out the window and you're just like, whatever I can eat. Like I only wanted fruit. Wow. I could own, like I was eating fruit, like a big bowl of fruit at lunch. I was like, it was just cooling and soothing and I don't know, I... Like but I think it's great fruit. to let your body that it's telling you what it needs exactly. in that moment. So yeah. I think that that's amazing as well to be able to do that. So yeah, first trimester was a lot of fruit. Mm. Um, and then throughout, throughout my pregnancy, I was like, okay, I need calcium and I don't have dairy. What do I do? So I realized that sesame seeds have one of the highest forms of natural calcium. Yeah. So tahini became my new best friend. Um, and... I would have a spoon of tahini and a date with a walnut. Yeah. The brain function, like tons of good fats and natural sugars and the, and, and the calcium from the tahini and the iron and the dates. Mm-hmm. So I'd, ha- I'd make those little kind of on-the-go snacks for myself. Uh, lots of bone broth for the collagen and the iron. Um, I do lots of leafy greens again. And... Um, and I had weird cravings. I'm so sorry for all you. I'm sorry, Claire. I know you're <laughs> vegan. But all I wanted to eat was bacon. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Um, bacon and green olives. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I loved my green olives and my bacon. Um, and sweet potato. I ended up eating a lot more of the root vegetables to ensure that I got the, the starch and the carbohydrates. Yeah. Um, and... And making sure that I did have red meat for, for the iron. And I don't eat red meat often, but during my pregnancy, I try to have it once a week. Yeah. Um, and then the post-nourishment was key with, again, um, I had an amazing Chinese doctor and acupuncturist in Mallorca mm-hmm. where I gave birth. And she gave me Chinese herbs to, make, uh, to brew in the bone broth. Mm-hmm. And I religiously had that after birth. Um, there was a Gujarati lady here in Bombay who makes a lot of things for like milk production and for nourishment. So, Yuraz she blends herbs for you. She blends yeah, herbs amazing. and like nut mixes and all of that. So I was having that, um, and I really used a lot of the old grandma's recipes yeah. and the, those I as you said you know those back to the so back beautiful. to the basics we're coming and, back to these things yeah like it's amazing and it was it was amazing and it was um you know having a lot of raspberry leaf tea and mm. um really doing research on what was nourishing and those yeah those grandmas yeah you know those natural, natural tried and tested, tried and tested. centuries exactly, kind of things exactly yeah. exactly and I felt that really, really helped. Now, mm. unfortunately, I with autoimmune, yeah. they say that your pregnancy usually is amazing. And a lot of women have reversed their entire autoimmune being pregnant. Wow. Because your immunity's on such a such high, high and level. such an okay. overdrive. Mm. So, I mean, I, excuse me again, guys, I'd literally stare into the 
pot after I took a shit and I was in awe of my poo. I was like, <laughs> oh my God, I've never seen anything so beautiful in 15 years. I've never seen perfect poo like this. It was amazing. Pregnancy was unbelievable for my poo. Poo and I became very good friends. Um, I was, no, I was yeah, in awe. First, when you've gone through that for such a long period of time and you're like, wow. No, well formed. Yeah. You, you, yeah. all take, you all take, take your poo for granted. For granted. Totally take it for granted. Um, it was amazing. So yeah, the poo was fab, um, pregnancy was brilliant for the autoimmune, and I was really praying and hoping it would reverse it, but after giving birth, I had one of the worst attacks of my, wow. my 15 years. Um, Coping with a newborn and having this yeah. attack on your body. So it was rough, it was mm. really rough, because, you know... I wasn't necessarily the most rational human being with my hormones all over the place. I was exhausted uh, from the birth. I I was bleeding again. I had no control of my bowel movements. So there were times where I was feeding Zai in bed, and it was in the middle of the night. No one was around, and I shot myself in bed. I'd have to... He was crying because he could sense something was wrong. I had to like change the sheets, clear up myself and him. And then there'd be moments where I'd have to like rush to the loo, and I'd literally have him hanging at my boob. I'd be running to the bathroom, just about make it, sitting on the bog with him still breastfeeding, and I'd just be like, I mean, just taking a moment, being like, How am I doing this? What is what is this? This is not okay. And then I was so scared to take any... And my mom and my husband were begging me to take medicine. Mm. And... But because you were breastfeeding. Because I was breastfeeding, yeah. I didn't want to. And I'd had such a natural journey up until then that I, I was like, I don't want to now suddenly stop that. And, you know, I'd given birth without an epidural. I had not had... As I said, I hadn't had a Panadol a year before getting yeah. pregnant and during my pregnancy. Yeah. I'd just done a lot of homeopathy so I really wanted to give my body a chance to heal again using yeah. the tools that I had so getting much stricter on the diet but I realized six to eight weeks in that I wasn't because I wasn't sleeping and I, my body wasn't rested it didn't have the reserves to heal yeah so it's all well and good knowing what you may need to do to heal your body, but when your body doesn't have that at its disposal, yeah, and it has it's nothing, at it's, its, it's yeah. at it, you know, giving birth is already so depleting for yeah. a woman, and um, then to have to try and heal, you know, your yeah. gut and that, I, I just didn't think I had it in me. So I was emotional, I was scared, I was fearful, I was tired, I was in pain. Um, and I was so conscious of, like, was I not giving him what he needed? Um, and then I spoke to my gastroenterologist, spoke to my doctor, pediatrician. I spoke to everyone, and they all assured me that the localized suppositories wouldn't get into okay. into the bloodstream, and they're very safe, et cetera, et cetera. So finally, I think, eight weeks... Um, of suffering with 
with him and it, it's already um, such a crazy time you have no sleep you're feeding constantly yeah. and then to to cope with health issues of your own it's so much it's a lot okay so before we move into um where we're going next and what's what's happening fresh in your life and what's what, what we're doing going forward i just wanted to touch on a little aspect of autoimmune disease and the psychological um parallels with that because i know that you you looked into that a little bit and um you know, I think we both believe that, that a lot of what is reflected in your body is also a reflection of what's going on internally. So Absolutely. what did you discover from that? No, I think um, it's such an interesting part of it. Um, for me, as you said, autoimmune, what is autoimmune? It's your immunity attacking yeah. yourself. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's a hard thing to kind of wrap your head around, yeah. that you, you are attacking and yourself. That. Except yeah. why am I... Why am I, you know, hurting yeah. myself? Why am I destroying um, this part of me? And I, after, you know, doing a lot of soul searching and with the help of my various healers and, mm. and therapists, um, came to one of the realizations that I had been so hard on myself in terms of my body image mm. and from the result of having been bullied at school. And I, like, I couldn't look in the mirror and see anything positive mm. um, I would be able to look at others and only see their positives yeah. um, and then there's this constant dialogue in, this, in your head of uh, the obsession of well if I eat this what will mm. happen oh my god I haven't worked out today or oh my god I oh my thighs oh my god like I'm standing next to this person and my thighs are double the size of that person oh my god oh my god oh my god mm -hmm. or like shit I haven't it's just constant and it's exhausting yeah. and it's not healthy yeah. and you know you believe in quantum physics you believe in all of that your thoughts have such power mm -hmm. um and then and it's basically your immune system doing what you've told it to do exactly and it's attack 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 attack, attack, yeah. attack. and then and then you go into the phase of like what chakra this whole mm. region is in and it's in the your second chakra and it's all about finding like it's it's base yeah. it's a, like fear it's mm. it, it, it's so primal yeah. um, that you have to realize where that fear really stems from mm. and you go back to also like what happened when you were in the womb with your mom like I yeah. also thought a lot about what my mom went through during that time because she had a pretty tumultuous pregnancy um, having kind of eloped and finding her footing in Switzerland as a yeah. Kenyan Indian and it was you know her own she had her own journey and so you take that into an account and you all these various pieces then you kind of have to realize why am I attacking myself and yeah. um, it took a lot to figure out how to love myself yeah. that way. And and I think it, it was much, much later, even well within into my marriage, yeah. where something shifted, again, minimally. Like, I still struggle with it. Mm. I 
I think one of the big reasons why I didn't want to have a baby and get pregnant was I was so scared of what was going to happen to my body. Yeah. Um, you just sort of got onto that space where you exactly. were like, okay, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. And you're like, what is it? The fear is there. But the fear is there. Is and it? Can my body take this? Exactly. Yeah. And so, again, the fear of the unknown and, and control. Mm. So what you start doing is controlling these big aspects of yeah. your life and then not being able to relinquish that and be free mm. so I think a lot of exercises I was doing in terms of just self-love and feeling feeling proud of your accomplishments doing things that were positive yeah. you know starting some form of meditation the you know yeah. the yoga the the journaling the talking about the yeah. gratitude like all these things in yeah. their little little ways they all play in they together. all they yeah. all play in together and none of and them help. are like a magic cure nothing is magic it's all this journey of weaving and i think it's such a healthy thing you touched on it to to really start to try and dig underneath and say where does this come from where is the root of this and try yeah. to heal that wound and absolutely um, it's it's but it's a process it's, it's a, a process journey. and it's, it's not and I, I'm not going to say I'm standing here saying that I've figured it all out. Mm. I haven't at still all. Still figuring it out. I'm still yeah. figuring really. it out, and I think that's where, what, where I feel I can impart some sort of knowledge yeah. is. I've now spent 15 years of attempting to figure it out, and yeah. the autoimmune was a blessing, and. Yes, a lot of people can say it was a curse. I was in so much pain and like humiliation and and all of that. And but I would never have discovered all these things yeah. about health. I would never have dug deep into my own issues, into yeah. my own psyche, into my relationships if I hadn't been forced to. And I think you get to a point where you have to choose what sort of life you want and yeah. you know we have this one life to live and let's live it as freely and positively and happily yeah. as possible and and uh, to be healthy is is not to lose weight but it's to gain life and happiness yeah. and joy and yeah. fulfillment and um, you know I, I I find that is something that is infectious and just by me, you know, even now, like I discover a new uh, recipe, for example, and watching other people enjoy it and knowing that it's feeding them, it's nourishing them and feeding their souls yeah. and giving them happiness. It's, it's all yeah. so much part of it. So it's never just food. It's never just food. It's, it's never just, it's never just a, a journal. It's never just a meditation. It's, it's, yeah. I think it all comes together yes. as a, as a, holistic lifestyle choice that you make and and I'm every day trying to make sure that I don't attack myself anymore and I yeah. and I think when you have a kid you realize that my god I would never want my child to mm. look at themselves in the mirror and see anything else other than love and beauty yeah. and I don't want them ever like you become you they become such a mirror because yeah. you don't want to them to look at you and take away something and start emulating that yeah. um, so suddenly it's another lesson that I've just em embarked on a, it's a, such a huge self check Yeah. what what do I 
want this best yeah, version of myself to look like yeah. so that he can only learn the yeah. best the habits. Best. Yeah. Um, and so it really is a, the best, you know, the best mirror to have is a kid because it really makes you rethink and relook at your actions and what you what you're putting you want, out what you're putting out there as well yeah. yeah yeah amazing amazing thank you for being so so honest with us yeah. and so open about all of these things i love you for that and um so let's talk about what's next what is the new space for you as baby is growing and um you know and what are we moving into? Oh, I know gosh. that you've got something on the couch here, oh. Shana. Is. Um, <laughs> no, it's it is an exciting time. <laughs> yeah, I think I've good. been in a bit of a, six months of a in a bit of a baby milk producing haze. But um, <laughs> I think Yuraz and I, uh, after having done Ladies First yeah. documentary on Netflix, please watch yeah. it. Hint, hint. <laughs> <laughs> Click on the link below. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was almost like our first child. We fought, we laughed, we cried, we learned so much from Deepika, the the lady whose documentary it's about. Um, Tell us about it. Come on, it's it's good. If people haven't seen it, it's so on no, Netflix. It's, it's, and... it's about a young girl from Jharkhand who, super impoverished, born on the roadside, and to be less of a burden to her parents, wants to get into this government-backed hostel, which you have to learn archery and she's terrific at it but begs and pleads to get in and she gets in at the age of 12 and within four years becomes the number one archer in the world mm -hmm. and um, we follow her journey to the Rio Olympics where we learn her stories we learn a lot of lessons from her story yeah. about how this country treats women about if we don't give our children or women opportunities, how do we expect them to thrive? Yeah. Um, and there's so many wasted, so much wasted talent here in India. Yeah. Um, and and so for us, it really humbled us just being around her and, and learning from her. Yeah. And uh, so next in the pipelines is another documentary, uh, again, a strong woman. Um, I think we want to, now that we have a, a son, we feel even more, it's more essential that we show him all these incredible role models, yeah. male and female. Um, but I think there's so many unsung heroes that we have in, in this country. And so on the film side, we're, we're, we're doing our second documentary. And then I think I wanted to package these 15 years uh, journey I've had with autoimmune health, uh, nutrition, and figure a way to share my story as personal as it is and and help more people with it. Um, I think it's important to also, I want to make sure that in this next chapter I pay homage to India yeah. and Ayurveda and the, and the herbs and the rituals and the grandma recipes and, yeah. and all of that. And, Fantastic. Um, so what that exactly looks like, we are formulating currently it's evolving uh, it's evolving but mm -hmm. what i think it's it's about telling stories so i want my journey and my food and all the knowledge that i've had to just be yet another story that can help people educate people nourish people yeah. and empower people so for me it's whether it's a film or whether it's going to be yeah. now food and health and wellness 
it's all about telling stories that can empower, enrich, enlighten, and, and yeah, basically amazing. educate people. Yeah, amazing. I can't wait for it. I'm sure it'll be such a blessing to everybody else. And, so. you know, thank you for coming on. Thank you for Love having, having me. you. And thank you for being so open and so free with your story. Sorry for all the shitty comments. <laughs> a lot of shit talk. Yeah, but, you know, yeah, honestly, I think yeah. it's um, really brave of you to come out and be so honest about your miscarriage story, about your autoimmune, so everything like that. I think it's it really blesses other people. So Yeah, um, I yeah. think it's the only way. It, for me, it's also been another huge healing tool. Like, yeah. To be open and honest and free, because there's there's no shame in it. Everyone goes yeah. through something in life. Dismantle the shame from these kind of things. Yeah. I think it's great. So, thank you so thank much. Thank you. Thank you, oh. thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Episode and managed to take away some important insights into supporting your lifestyle and your health with a healthy diet. And if you would like to find out more information and recipes from Shana, because they are absolutely delicious, you can find her at Shana Dia on Instagram and also on her exciting new blog, which is shortly going to be released. I hope you enjoyed this episode and you got some things to take away from our amazing guests insight. If you did enjoy this episode, please subscribe and also leave us a review. And for more information on the Hadassah Collective, you can visit our Instagram page at Hadassah Collective. I hope you'll join me again for our next episode at the same time next week. And until then, have a wonderful week.